0: Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. So today we are in week four of our sermon series called The Difficult Words of Jesus. And again, what we're doing in this series, instead of running from ignoring some of those things that Jesus said that make us all uncomfortable, we're going to jump in headfirst, no matter how uncomfortable things might get, to learn what it costs to follow Jesus with everything that we are. Now today, and to kind of mix things up a bit, I'm going to be sharing with you a couple of parables that most people don't think of as being dangerous to show you how even when Jesus spoke in parables, things weren't always warm and fuzzy. So the main parable that that we're going to be exploring today to kind of give you a gist of how these things work is the parable of the mustard seed. How many of you guys are familiar with the parable of the mustard seed? Yeah. So it basically starts out in this way. It says, what is the kingdom of God like and to what should I compare it? What is the kingdom of God like, and to what should I compare? it? Now, the first thing you need to know about almost all the things that Jesus talked about, including his parables, is they're about the kingdom of God. And in a nutshell, to understand the kingdom of God, you guys know we live in a world where clearly things aren't right. Or we live in a broken and sinful world where bad things happen all the time. So what the kingdom of God is, is God's response. It's God's movement in the world to make things right. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. So that's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom of God like? Well in one sense according to this parable, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds of the air made nest and its branches. Now on first glance the way most people interpret this parable is that it really doesn't contain any kind of dangerous words or ideas. It's just about the kingdom of God starting out as something small And then growing into something big, right? Going from a mustard seed to a tree. That's the way most people interpret this parable. Which, by the way, according to the New Testament, early Christian history is exactly how this movement unfolds. It starts with one man sent by God who then trains up 12 more men who then go out all over their world to invite almost everyone they encounter to join them. The result being is this movement started out as something small and begins to get bigger and bigger and bigger which in a sense clearly shows that this particular interpretation of this kingdom is spot on because that's the way it happened. It's the way things unfolded. And to a certain extent, it's the way they continue to unfold even today. But but, what I want to show you by taking you deeper is that there's actually way more going on in this parable. It's way more fascinating than just that interpretation. So let me walk you through it again so I can show you what I'm talking about. So again, Jesus says this, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden. Now, what we miss here, because we don't live in the ancient world and don't think like ancient people, is that a mustard seed is not something you plant in a garden. In fact, according to the Mishnah, which was a collection of oral interpretations of the Jewish law that the Jewish people lived by at this time, it actually forbids the practice of planting a mustard seed in a garden. And the reason for this is because if you plant just one mustard seed in your garden... Then, like a weed, in about two years, it will take over your garden. And once it's there, it's really, really hard to get rid of. So in the ancient mindset, what Jesus is saying here, what they would have heard when he spoke this parable, is that the kingdom of God is like a weed that was planted in a garden or was planted in a place that it didn't belong. And yet, Jesus is just getting started because after Jesus says that, he then says it grew and became a tree it grew and became a tree. Now, the reason why that's so interesting is because everyone in the ancient world knew that mustard seeds don't turn into trees. They don't. or According to the research I've done, uh, mustard seeds create plants or bushes, and they can be as short as three foot tall to as tall as 12 feet, but would have never in the ancient world been classified as a tree. So that means what Jesus is saying here in this parable, the way they would have heard it in the ancient world, is that the kingdom of God is like a weed someone planted in the garden where it didn't belong that miraculously turned into a tree. Now, at this point, what should be going on up there in those brains of yours, if you are paying attention today, is because you now know a mustard seed should not be planted in a garden and a mustard seed doesn't actually turn into a tree, and yet that's what Jesus says the kingdom of God is like, you should start to feel a little bit uneasy as your mind is stirred into active thought trying to wrestle with what in the world is Jesus doing? So you guys feeling that? So anytime you read a parable when it's ancient context, that's the way it should make you feel. It should trouble you. It should make you feel in a certain way. Okay, so now that you're starting to to see the dangerousness of this parable, let me now walk you through the brilliant move that I think Jesus is trying to make as he explains how the kingdom of God Works. Now, the first place I think we all go um, when we encounter this parable is how in the world can Jesus compare the kingdom of God to something we'd like or something that is not wanted but comes in and takes over everything? I mean, it just doesn't make sense to us. How can Jesus do that? Well, what I think Jesus is doing here is he's not telling this perspective from his, or, excuse me, this parable from his perspective. Because clearly for Jesus, the kingdom of God is everything. It's what he came to do. No one says Jesus is telling this parable from the perspective of those outside of the kingdom or how people, when they first encounter the kingdom, how it will feel in their life. Or for instance, uh, imagine you're a Roman leader. You're comfortable in your life you're living back in the ancient world, right? Or imagine you're a committed Jew who, whose life is all about living the law and all that kind of stuff. You're comfortable, you're where you are. Well, The way those particular people are going to see this movement at first, the way they're going to experience it is not as something good, you know, something that's going to save them in the world, even though that's what it is. No, those on the outside are going to see it as a kind of nuisance, something that causes more problems than it's worth. It's even the case for many people like the Jewish leaders. They see this movement as evil or from their perspective, from where they're sitting right now at this moment or back then, the kingdom of God really is like a weed that gets planted in their garden. It's this thing that comes into their life that they really don't like at first. You guys see that? Now, I mean, think about it in today's world, too. There are a ton of people out there in the world that want nothing to do with Christ or Christianity. And when they encounter this for the first time, are they like, oh, this is amazing, I love it. No, it's something that takes a moment. It's something that's going to trouble them. It's, it's something that, in a sense, invades their lives. Or to try to get, this, try to get at this in a bit more modern way, I want you to think about how most people felt about the civil rights movement when that movement was just getting started. Because what you'll discover when you go back and do the research on this is that even though we take this movement today for granted as something good, something that should happen, when the civil rights movement first started, most people at that time, it was seen as something evil, something that they needed to fight against. Or most people understood that movement as a weed that was planted in their garden, and it didn't belong. Well, in the same way, what Jesus is saying here is that's how most people in the ancient world would have experienced the kingdom of God the first time they encountered it. And again, I would add, it's the way a lot of people experience it today who are not inside of the kingdom. Well, then what we find Jesus doing at the end of this parable, kind of wrap it all up to bring it all together, and also to show everybody that the kingdom of God is actually an amazing thing, is he talks about this mustard seed miraculously turning into a tree. Right? It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. But the first thing you need to understand about the mustard seed becoming a tree is Jesus is not speaking literally here. Jesus is not being a scientist here. I've heard people get really worked up about this. He's not being a scientist. He knows exactly what he's doing. No, what he is doing, to, to make a point to the Jewish people, is he's using a metaphor. He's, he's speaking symbolically in a way that the Jewish people would have understood. In that, what you'll find when you do some digging in the Old Testament is that in a couple of different places, trees are metaphorically used to talk about kingdoms and governments, the way they protect, the way they um, have people living in them. So in the same way trees act as a home to provide protection, shade, and even food for animals that live underneath them, metaphorically speaking, good kingdoms do the same thing for people who live within them. Right? That's the metaphor. It's a tree protection, all that kind of stuff. Or to just kind of give you one of these examples, you'll find like five or six in the Old Testament. My favorite is this, and, and notice how they match up. Ezekiel 36.1 says, The birds of the air made their nest in its boughs, Under its branches, all the animals of the field gave birth to their young, and in its shade, all great nations lived. So that means what Jesus is doing in this parable. Besides saying that the kingdom of God is something that's going to start small and then get bigger, is he's telling those outside the kingdom. He's telling us that the first time you encounter this, it's probably not going to be something you're going to like. It's probably going to make you feel uncomfortable. But that eventually you'll see that what God is doing here is he's trying to create a kingdom, a safe place that provides safety, security, and protection no matter who we are or what we're doing. Ultimately, that's what the kingdom of God is all about. So the dangerous part of this parable is basically Jesus saying, you're not going to like this at first, but eventually you are going to see it's not only what's best for you, but it's also what's best for the world. Or ultimately what Jesus is doing here is he's giving us a picture of how God is at work in this messy and sinful world, bringing about the salvation and the restoration of all things. He gives us a picture of kind of how it unfolds. Come on now, isn't that amazing when you dig into that and see the big picture of what's going on here and how true it really is? He's, I mean, Jesus, is brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so now that you got your head wrapped around that, what you've also got to understand, as I mentioned, kind of in the intro, is surprisingly, in almost every single one of Jesus's parables, they contain difficult words and ideas where Jesus is intentionally pushing people's buttons to make life-changing points about the kingdom. right? Jesus is intentionally doing this. Or, Or to give you just a taste, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, you guys know this parable, I think everybody does, what Jesus is doing is he's answering the question, who is my neighbor? And the way he answers that question is he takes the most despised enemy of the Israelite people, the Samaritan, whom nobody thinks is good, and he makes him the hero of that story, right? It would have shocked people to their core in the ancient world to hear that a Samaritan, a Samaritan is the one who got it right. Then uh, in the parable of the lost sheep, right? We just kind of read over it and don't think about it. Jesus tells us about a crazy shepherd who was willing to leave 99 sheep to go after just one sheep. Logically speaking, financially speaking, that is a horrible decision. But what he's getting at is the love of God, how God will continue to chase after us. In the parable of the prodigal son, we not only know about this son who lost his way and then finally comes home, but where the Jewish people would have heard the strangeness in this parable is this father. He ends up, after all his son has done to his family and him, accepting this son back, no questions asked. And then even the parable of the treasure, which is my favorite, we learn about a man who found a great treasure and then hid it. But what we don't oftentimes think about is this man didn't own this land that he found the treasure on. And he hid it and he didn't tell the guy who owned the land, which is legally what you're supposed to do. No, what he did was he selfishly, he sold everything that he had to buy that land. So he could have the treasure all to himself. You, didn't hear, you haven't heard that parable before, have you? right? Now you see how your minds are stirred into active thought as you're trying to wrestle with it. It's what Jesus is doing. So the truth is what you're going to discover when you read the parables of Jesus closely is they contain difficult words that are meant to make us uncomfortable. It's just the way it is. So what I hope you guys are starting to catch a glimpse of in how parables work is Jesus speaks dangerous words. Or Jesus wasn't just some good old boy, holy man who went around telling everybody what they wanted to hear. Or, or he wasn't just this warm and fuzzy dude that everybody liked because he never stirred up any trouble. No, what Jesus' parables reveal to us in a way we oftentimes miss is Jesus said a lot of hard things to a lot of people. Or, or Jesus was the kind of teacher who was not scared to call people out, to challenge dysfunctional beliefs And even though it cost him his life, he was willing to speak truth to power. Or there's clearly a reason for why the Jewish leaders wanted him dead and the Romans eventually killed him. In fact, the truth is, Jesus' words were considered to be so dangerous in his time and place, they felt they had to kill him. And so what all of that means for you and I today, what I hope you guys take home with you, is that if Jesus is nothing more to you than someone who gives you nice feelings and makes you feel good about yourself, although that's part of it, you're probably missing the point. Because a big part of what it means to be a devoted follower of Jesus, even today, is that in Jesus, not only are you going to find the unconditional love of God being revealed to the world through his grace, mercy, and love, which is absolutely astounding, but you're also going to find someone who loves you so much that even though he'll meet you where you are and accept you, as you are. He's not going to leave you the way he found you. No, instead, what Jesus is going to do for you out of his love, not in spite of his love, is to call you out when you've missed something, to convict you when you're caught up in sin, or is going to give you a whole lot of tough love that you're probably not going to like in the moment, but it's what's best for you in the end. Or in the same way, good parents out of love, discipline, have hard conversations and even have to get angry with their children, right, to to help them become who they're supposed to be. That's exactly what you should expect from Jesus, who is always at work in our lives shaping and molding us into the people he created us to be. Or think about it in this way. How many of you might just know some parents that let their children do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it? Anybody? You don't have to raise your hand on that. We'll just think about that. And then how do their children turn out? What happens in their children's lives? Right? Now, you can go on the opposite end of that and, and be a dark overlord of a parent. And all, that's, that's not it either. No, what it means to love your children, what it means for me to love my girls, is sometimes i got to correct them. Sometimes i got to get angry. Sometimes they need to know that that's wrong. Well, it, you guys know how much I love my girls, Right? So God loves us even more than I love my girls. And what he does when he speaks those words into our life, he's he's not trying to condemn or, or make you feel bad or anything. No, no, no. He is speaking those words to you because he wants you to change. He wants you to live into the life that is truly life. He wants those things that are holding you back and have been holding you back for so long to be gone. So what that means for us ultimately is what we need to do is instead of getting uncomfortable when we hear that voice speaking within us, you guys know what I'm talking about, that voice that says, "Hey, no, 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 that's not a good idea." Or, or when we read the difficult words of Jesus, is instead of running from them because they make us feel uncomfortable, what we've got to do is embrace them for what they are. It's a gift. It's a gift where the creator of the universe is showing you what you need to do to get better, what you need to do to live into the life that is truly life. So For those of you who are really, really good at running, anybody really good at running? So I'm the preacher and I'm the only one in here that's really, really good at running. Most of you are liars. Let's embrace it. Let's embrace it for what it is. The creator of the universe loves us so much that he'll meet us where we are, but he's not going to leave us as he found us. Let us pray. Father, again, we come to you this morning, and ah, these difficult words, they speak into our lives such big things, even though they make us squirm. So today, in light of parables, Lord, help us to understand that this is how you work in our lives. This is what you're all about. You love us so much that you're willing to show us tough love. You love us so much that you're willing to speak truth into our lives that no one else will speak. You love us enough to convict us when something is not right. But not because you're trying to condemn us. No, the reason you do that is because you want us to live into the best possible lives. You want us to live into freedom and hope and life. You want us to become all that we can become. So help us, O oh Lord, not run from that anymore. But to accept it for what it is, your love your grace, your mercy, calling us to be better, calling us to live into the life that is truly life. It's in your name and for our sake we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.